In this episode of the Business of E-Commerce, I talk with Terry Miyahara about how to use content marketing to build an audience. This is the Business of E-Commerce, episode 65. Welcome to the Business of E-Commerce, the show that helps e-commerce retailers start, launch, and grow their e-commerce business. I'm your host, Charles Bolesky, and I'm here today with Terry Miyahara. Terry is the founder of Terry Miyahara Beauty, a company that she's helped bootstrap to over 100K in revenue in her first 11 months and has since done over 100, 300K in sales. I've asked Terry on the show today to talk about how she bootstrapped her business and how you can do the same using content marketing. So, hey, Terry, how are you doing today? Good. How's it going? Doing good. Thanks for coming to the show. We're recording a early morning here. It's eight for me, but it's five for you. So thank you for that. Yeah, of <laughs> course. Always early riser. Yeah. <laughs> so want to talk about kind of how you start the business. Um, I love the concept of bootstrapping. I've been kind of doing that myself for years now. Um, and it's definitely one method I feel like that a lot of folks kind of overlook in growing a business. So kind of how have you got started? What's your kind of background with um, the beauty products. Okay, so I actually started in journalism. I'm a professional writer by trade. So um, out of college, after getting my bachelor's, I went straight into publishing in a magazine, so writing editorial. Um, and I started essentially doing beauty and fashion writing. So that's you know early in my career how I got started. Um, so doing all of that, I uh, decided one day just to start a YouTube channel. Um, and this was back I'm going to say maybe in 2012. Um, so I just started posting videos just by myself of uh, specifically green beauty. So all natural, organic, vegan beauty products, makeup, skincare, uh, hair care, etc. So I uh, eventually grew that to the point of now we're at about 150,000 in our audience. And, you know, this has been since 2012. And that's all really been thanks to uh, YouTube, blogging, social media, and general content marketing. So started off as an influencer and as a blogger first. And then in terms of monetizing that, because each niche typically has a different way to monetize. If you're in the beauty niche or fashion niche, a lot of times, unless you're running a lot of traffic to get sponsors or ad, um, ad uh, like paid advertising onto your sites and things like that, a lot of times people are going to create their own products. So for me, I decided, um, particularly for the green beauty space, there isn't millions and millions and millions of uh, like that kind of traffic to run unless you're really pushing paid ads. So I decided to, uh, because of me knowing ingredients and testing so many products, I decided to create a physical product line. So that's how it all started. So primarily doing um, color cosmetics, so makeup, eyeshadow, blushes, lipstick, things like that. Uh, we dabble a little bit into skincare, but again, in order to differentiate ourselves um, in the clean beauty space, a lot of times clean beauty is going to be skincare, skincare, body care, those kind of things that are much easier to manufacture. Uh, to differentiate, I decided that we should manufacture probably the hardest to formulate, which is going to be color cosmetics. So, and that's how we really started to gain, in, gain a name for ourselves in the physical product space was just that differentiating factor. So that's how everything got started. And that's why I believe so much in content marketing, especially if you're bootstrapping um, and you also don't have a ton of money to spend on advertising. So when you're saying content marketing, you're talking even video, YouTube, 
It's like just mm -hmm. like you're using content All as of like it. okay because you typically I feel like when people are talking content marketing, um, you always hear blogging and that's one of those things. Some people are great at it. Some people you read the um, you know articles and it's like this fantastic piece of artwork. And then you have someone like me that you know I kind of write it like a robot. It's not so great, um, but video and certain things more pro more approachable for some, less approachable for other um, folks. And there's just different types of content. Um, and I think that's a big kind of message that when you're saying content marketing, it's just not written content or just not a certain type. Correct. It could be audio, video, that sort of thing. Correct. Correct. Basically anything that's almost creative. So you could even be, let's say like a micro influencer just doing Instagram posts and all you do is create Instagram posts. That is also a form of content marketing. The biggest thing that I tell people, um, especially since I also work with other brands doing consulting, because a lot of people just end up finding me and I like to talk business. So um, that's where we're part physical product, part digital media, and now part agency as well. Um, a lot of people, I think they also get that uh, uh, conception about content marketing, that it only has to be written, oh, I might not be a great writer or... You know, it only has to be Instagram. Oh, I don't really take photos that well. You just have to really pick one uh, modality and then you just go for it. So in the beginning, I only did YouTube. Um, before anything else, before social media, all I really did was YouTube videos. And um, video was where everything got started. So, and uh, of course, you know, video tends to be a really big sales converter, you know, by itself. So if you can do video, then great. But if you are not comfortable with video yet, go with the writing, go with the blogging. If you don't like writing, you know, 500,000, 2,000 word articles, you can definitely get other people to write it. Uh, freelance writers, interns, whatever the case may be. Um, if you don't, you know, let's say that's not your jive either, go for the photography, uh, go for the social posts. That's when you get on things like Instagram or even Pinterest. If you're really an introvert, Go for Pinterest. That's probably the one where you could actually run a lot of traffic. It's not um, that expensive, even if you were to do paid ads. And um, the biggest thing, too, I feel, is people think you have to churn out a ton of content all the time. Um, if you can do, you know, a video a day, then great. Or if you can do, um, like, a blog post, like, three blog posts a week, then great. But I always think that it's, it's really... 20% of the content and 80% of the marketing, it's not the other way around. And I think that's another big misconception too, so, is that you create yeah, you the content. The market, yeah, when you say the marketing, what, what exactly do you mean by that? Right. So in content marketing, I like to think of it as 20% of your time is in the content and 80% of your time is in the marketing, hence content marketing. But a lot of times people do the 80-20 the other way around, where they're spending so much time on content, but they're not doing the marketing part. And the marketing part is really just distribution. So when you are bootstrapping and you don't have a lot to a lot of cash to put into paid ads, that's why I always say content marketing, especially if you're time strapped, because you can create one piece of content. Let's say it is a YouTube video. Um, but then if you spend more of your time doing the distribution of that video, then you'll reach a larger audience. Your content will go further. And uh, in terms of your, you know, ROI or your time ROI, you'll go a lot further if you concentrate on the marketing part, not necessarily the content creation part. So that's one thing that I feel a lot of people with that misconception of content marketing is churning out a lot of content. That's actually not the case. It's doing the marketing part.
Mm, doing okay. the other doing the other side of it yeah now, now when you say doing the marketing though what are some examples let's say i write this thousand word blog post or we record mm -hmm. you know this half an hour hour long video how do you actually get that out to folks other than just dropping it in your blog dropping it on youtube putting it on instagram how do you actually market that if let's say you're um you know cash concerned right you don't have a ton of money to run to ads like what do you do from there to get kind of distribution Right. So yes, it is whatever means that you have. So let's say you do have a thousand word blog post. It's on your blog. So first tier is really just hitting what you already have in terms of your current assets. So if you have an email list, if you have your Instagram, your Facebooks and your Twitter, um, if you have, let's say YouTube video, it's going on YouTube, but then it's going back to your website, your blog, your social and your email. Um, so then when I say Pinterest is being kind of like your best friend, if you're an introvert, um, because oh, I don't know why a lot of people think that just because I do video that I'm an extrovert, but I'm an I for Myers Briggs, funny enough. So I really like Pinterest for that reason. Um, so really it's about, you know, when I tell people about this, uh, a lot of times it's how can I simplify, how can I clone myself and how can I automate? So whatever process or software or tech that I can leverage to do one of those three or all three of them. So in that case with content marketing, um, how can you leverage tech to do so? A lot of times I refer back to Pinterest as a really big traffic driver. Um, also, you could start to get really bootstrappy as far as let's say um, if you know people in your space then you could go into like a agreement, I'm using air quotes, but just to cross promote each other's content to each other's audiences, if it's a complimentary fit. Um, you could even also go as far as doing content distribution, like paid content distribution. Um, for example, um, there are sites where it could be, it's really not that expensive. It's maybe, you know, $50 or less than $100 for them to distribute your content to a network of influencers in your niche. Like there are actual content distribution platforms that do that. Or if you wanted to do, let's say native advertising, you could start with $5 a day, $10 a day to actually promote your content from a paid traffic standpoint. So if you've seen, let's say uh, you're like uh, browsing a blog or like a content website and they have at the bottom something that looks like related stories or sponsored stories, um, it's usually like a box at the bottom and it has just different, what looks like articles of blog posts. And you're probably not thinking about why that's there, but a lot of times that's sponsored content and that's content that's placed on that site from a third party content distribution platform. So there's a lot of ways to run traffic, uh, because the marketing is all about the traffic, right? So if you have a product, you have Let's say you e-commerce, e you have a product or you have a piece of content, like an article. If you're not running traffic, then nothing's going to happen. Like no one's going to buy, not going to get your name out there. So it's about running the traffic, right? So um, that's why we use a lot of different, and we're always experimenting with traffic strategies, how to run traffic, because um, if you're only running traffic through certain means, Let's say if all you do is run traffic through Instagram or even through like Google SEO, Google just changes their algorithm and then everybody just like tanks as far as their traffic. So, or same thing, Instagram, like run all your traffic through Instagram, organic Instagram, and then they do an algorithm change and then all of a sudden your traffic dips. 
So I'm a big believer in always having multiple traffic sources. Start with two, but then expand. Um, so I believe that four is a, a really kind of like good number to always have as far as your traffic. So 25% of your traffic isn't coming from, is coming from like different sources, right? So um, that's just like a little tip in terms of like diversifying your traffic, whether it's organic or it's paid. But um, yeah, so that's why I say, you know, doing your content, but then your most of your time is running the traffic. Yeah, the one and the one interesting thing you said there, um, it's probably a good kind of point to take out of that is you're focused on one platform to be like the this is a platform we're actually going to pump up, but you're using every other platform just to direct direct traffic back to that, right? So you're trying to say I want to grow my YouTube channel, I'll use Pinterest, Instagram, whatever else. Like we we'll use every other means we have to grow the YouTube channel, but we're not trying to grow all the channels at once. So we're not also trying to grow you. Like Instagram is just a means to grow YouTube at that point. And each thing is just a means to grow the next. So it's all basically focused. Every, every resource you have is focused on one resource at a time. Um, and I'm assuming at some point, you, maybe like you said, that changes. Maybe then all of a sudden you say, okay, now let's double down on the blog a year later or whatever it is after you yep. have your 100,000 followers on YouTube. But it's, yes. yeah. Um, Correct. Yeah, that think, beats the overwhelm because I think a lot of people, you know, especially if they're first starting out, they don't have an audience. Um, we were just fortunate that we had an art audience to start, but that was because I was already a blogger slash influencer. But if you're just starting out, you're starting at zero, like literally you got no followers, you have no email list, you don't have any social followers, start with one. If you feel like you need to go to two, but that's really it. So create your content and then distribute everywhere else. Cause that really does beat the overwhelm. Cause when you think about that, if you're only focusing on YouTube, but then you're using the other means for the end of YouTube, then you're organically growing all the other things. So if you have a YouTube channel, like what happened with us, start the YouTube channel and then the Instagram came later, but that was more of to promote the YouTube videos. So, um, in my mind, it wasn't overwhelming thinking, you know, I have to grow YouTube. I have to grow Instagram. I have to grow a Facebook group. I have to grow a Pinterest account. I have to grow a blog. I have to do SEO. I have to do all these other things. Um, and I don't know if anything, it's, it's half of its mindset, but I really do feel like when you're doing content marketing, when you're bootstrapping, when you don't have a lot for paid ads to run the traffic, it's a long-term play. Um, but if you have the means and you know, you have the finances, go for the paid traffic because that's going to be your shortcut. Um, obviously as long as your offer and your funnel converts, but that's like, like a different story, but, um, it's making sure you're not getting overwhelmed, especially if you're not used to creating the content in the first place. Like you're not used to being on camera. You're not used to editing the videos. Um, maybe you're not in a place to outsource the video editing, for example. So you have to do it all yourself. So you're doing pre-production, you're filming, you're doing post and you're uploading. Um, and then you're doing all the promotion after that. So, um, if you're not used to doing the content in the first place, same thing we're writing. If you're not used to writing 500, a thousand, 2000 plus words, then it can get really overwhelming to do the assets, like create the assets and then do the marketing and the traffic for those assets. So that's totally right as far as focusing on one and then use the other platforms as distribution sites, essentially. Um, and then, yeah, after a while, that's what happened with us. Uh, then we moved to Instagram and now we are moving into uh, 
I think we did it backwards. <laughs> a lot of people usually start with the blogging, uh, but now we're kind of at the blogging stage. So. Yeah, well, and that goes to speaking to speaking to your kind of strengths, right? Because maybe blogging's tough for you, and that's just not something you can do. Um, but I like the idea of finding something that you're strong with and going out on that. And I think a lot of people, like you were saying, underestimate. It's going to be, it's it's a long game, right? So when you go to start that blog day one, you're going to be excited. You're going to publish that post, and no one's going to read it. <laughs> like, and you just need to understand that. Like that day one is it's going to be tough because you're going to publish it and like. You'll get four readers and a little tough and you're going to, it's just, and you're going to have to realize this is, we're not talking like days here. We're talking months and even years. So you need to be in something where you can see yourself doing this for really the long haul. And even like you said, the show, for example, when I started, I was doing pre-production, post-production, everything on my own. And apparently it takes a long time to do because it was probably taking like over a day just to like prepare a show once kind of got down a process, got got it kind of going and what is it 65 episodes later have some help with that now with editing pre-production different sort of things there's a bit mm-hmm. of a process so now it's able to you know sit down and kind of move through them um and not spend you know nine hours on every episode uh, nine hours to do a half an hour episode because that's not sustainable right because at that rate you're going to burn out very quickly but once you can make it down to say okay for a half hour episode we have, you know i personally might have 45 minutes worth of work with including the recording, not so bad. Do some research, do some, you know, post stuff, but we're not talking like hours. So it makes it a lot more approachable and then say, let's just, let's, now we can, now we can do them the long game. So now we can start talking, you know, weeks become months, months can become years, and it actually becomes possible to now build something because you're going to need to be in it for that amount of time. Right. And um, one of, one of the things when I first started out doing YouTube is, um, you know, it was just a hobby, but then eventually, you know, getting sponsors, monetizing, even before the beauty products business, um, I basically just told myself that I had to do a video a week without fail. And it, it didn't matter what the results were, what the views were from the previous videos. It didn't matter what the subscriber growth was. It, I almost try to make it robotic in a way. Like it's, it was such an ingrained habit that um, doing a video a week and doing it consistently, that's just really the biggest thing is creating the habit and making it consistent almost regardless of your results, especially in the beginning, because it's true. Like you're not, um, unless you're some like big brand that already has a following or you're putting a lot of money into ads for those views, then it's going to be, you know, three people are going to view your YouTube video that you spent four hours on, which is, that's how I started as well. Um, but the more consistent you are, the more momentum is gained. And that's the case for really, you know, anything in the long run, but you just have to really pick something that you can almost become obsessed with as well, that you really can see it as a hobby that you kind of naturally find doing, um, just like, on your random, you know, times off or like on the weekends or whatever the case may be. So like if you like the idea of doing YouTube videos, but it's, you don't really see it as a hobby. Um, let's say, you know, you like the idea of YouTube videos, but then you're thinking of, um, more so like growing your Instagram, right? Cause you like photography more than video go with the photography. Um, so you really, you know, just because everybody's doing, you know, the video thing right now, that might not be the best 
modality for you because we're talking about long haul. Yeah, we're talking about if you don't, if you can't see yourself doing something like really for about one to two years, especially if you're starting from zero and doing it consistently and not really seeing the growth for like the first six months, then definitely switch to something else that you think you have more of just a personal interest in. Like if you have more of an interest in photography, go with the photography and get on Instagram. If you have more of an interest in video, then go on YouTube, forget the photography. So it's just finding for the long haul, kind of what your hobby is, um, because especially in the beginning, it's going to feel like a hobby because it's not going to monetize quickly, especially if you're starting from zero. Yeah. I remember every, everyone talks about blogging and you have, you have to blog and all these things. And I'm personally not a writer. That's just not my strength. It's never been. Um, and I remember always feeling like, well, I have to do it because that's what I'm told. And I was at a conference, um, and the, the founder of uh, Wildbit, it's a software company. They're up there talking. And I remember she was saying that they didn't want to blog. And one day they just deleted their blog. They just got rid of it. Just <laughs> never again. They just decided we're just not going to do this. I remember feeling like, wow, you're giving me permission not to like, I almost felt like this is the first person that gave me permission not to blog. Like, I, like, I don't have to do that. You don't, you know, that's not like a requirement. And then I realized like, that just, maybe it's just not something it's not going to be the content that I'm going to use that we're going to use to actually build the business. That's just not going to be it. And it'll be there, but in, you know, cause there are people who, um, they just crank out, it's a, it's a factory and they can just crank out two articles a day and it's a treadmill and you know, the top 10 ways to do this and you know, all, all these like clever headlines and just giving yourself kind of looking at yourself and just being honest and realizing like, is that me? Can I do that? And maybe the answer is mm -hmm. yes, but the, it's okay that the answer is no as well. Cause you can find something else. And I like that message. Correct. Yeah. Because we're, we can't be good at everything. Yep. Um, even though I feel like if, especially if you're like solopreneur and that's what I was before I had a team for a very long time, you're doing physically doing everything yourself because you might not have the means to outsource, get the paid you know, freelance writers, um, to get the freelance photographers to do your photography, to get editors. So if you're doing everything yourself in the beginning, you really have to say no to certain things in order to say yes to other things. That's just, you know, kind of personal development one-on-one, right? You're doing the same thing when it comes to marketing, content creation, and bootstrapping your business is being hyper-selective, especially in the beginning, going all in on that particular thing and making sure that it just doesn't feel like a huge drag. Because if, if you just actually hate writing, don't write. Like literally, good, like delete your blog. Like I don't like Facebook, so I don't do it. Um, uh, same thing for Twitter. I don't like Twitter, so I just don't do it. But there's other people that love the Facebook groups. They love the Facebook chat bots. They love all of those things. I'm like, mm, that's just not me. I just can't do Facebook, so I'm not going to. The only reason I would is just to run ads on it. Like that's literally it. So you just have to really pick pick what is most interesting to you, especially if it's especially if you don't see it being, let's say, like fully monetized in the beginning, then you almost, people say, you know, like you have to treat your blog like your business, which is true because it's the habit. But on the flip side, it's like, if it's also not your hobby and it's not your true interest or what you really like to do with your time, then it's not going to be worth it because you're just going to stop. And that's the thing. You just can't stop. Like you, whatever you do, you just can't stop. 
Um, so you just have to pick what you don't think you're going to stop and you just do that thing. And that's almost as simple as it is. Yeah, no, it's, it's funny. That's, it's a very basic message, but I think a lot of people overlook yes. it right on, yeah. it's the same thing when people are looking at, um, like a diet or like the gym or like what, to, like the mm -hmm. best ways to lose weight or one of these things. And they're trying to like pick between like a and B and the, all these different, like, you know, do you want to be on like the low carb or the, what a paleo or whatever it is. But the point isn't it's you can actually just do any one of them. Like it actually, it's almost irrelevant which one you do as long as you just do one of them. Like it doesn't actually matter the which one, just pick one that you will actually do and you can see yourself doing. And if you're like realistic with yourself, like, you know, maybe Atkins just isn't your thing and that's not going to work out for you. Don't do that. Like, <laughs> so it's not whether it's like the best or the worst. And it's not like deciding between like running and orange theory and CrossFit. Like it's like this, like, you know, battle of, which one you should be doing, just pick the one that you're, you will, like you said, you'll actually do. Cause the most important thing is that you get up tomorrow and next week and you do it again and again and again. And it's just like, same thing, like running, like, you know, exercise, it's just a bunch of reps and sets and you need to do them, go to the next one and then just wake up the next day and do it again. And it's, it's not, it's how you do them is one thing kind of once you get into that, but the most people just lose because they just don't do it. Not they don't do it well. That's a that's a whole different game once you kind of get there. Correct, correct. Yeah, that's really how it is with working out, with you eating, with building a bootstrap business. The qualities are really the same across the board. It's just not stopping. That's that's the secret. That that's literally the secret to I feel like almost everything these days is that you just don't. You don't stop. You just stay consistent. And if you just keep optimizing along the way, um, then you'll get the result. It's just a matter of time. And that's why I tell people like it's all, it's only a matter of time till you figure out to do whatever it is that you want to do. Like you want to lose 20 pounds. You're going to eventually figure it out. Or if you want to build a business, you're going to figure it out. Um, it's, it's just a matter of giving yourself enough time to do it. So whether you want to bootstrap your business in a year, two years, five years, give yourself the time and you're going to figure out how to do it, especially if you're by yourself, if you don't have an MBA, if you don't have the mentors or those kind of things. Same thing with the working out example. Like you're going to eventually get fit. It might not be in two weeks, um, but you'll, it'll, it'll eventually come if you just stick with it in the long haul. But it is finding what you like to do consistently like it is true like if you don't necessarily like the crossfit then try the yoga if you don't like the yoga try the crossfit because all it's all means to an end again like it's all you're just going towards the same result so it doesn't really matter how you get there you just have to kind of keep trying things until you stick with one thing and once you find that one thing you just go for it same thing in business now, as far as I, you said, optimization during that too, at what points do you actually start looking at, at your stats and say, okay, for this YouTube video, we did X number of views. The one, you know, right before it did double that. Why? What made it better? You know, how can we improve that? Like at one point you start looking at that and where are those kind of optimization points of it's cause at some point though, you know, you're doing this for first thing is create a habit, right. Of actually doing it. But once you do that, now you get to look back and say, okay, what are we doing? Well, what can we do better now? Let's at some point you made the habit and now you start looking at yourself and saying like, where can we improve? Like, when do you do that? And with something like content with YouTube, for example, like how, how do you do that? Like, what are the points where you look and say like, what can we do to make this video better? What can we do to 
get more eyeballs on this. Mm -hmm. So what I like to do with content marketing is that if you're really fresh, like you're not experienced with content, whatever the content may be, at least do a monthly check-in. Um, but if you want to start getting a little bit more granular, ideally I like to do weekly, but if I'm in an, some sort of like optimization mode, like for example, like a 2000 word blog article and I'm running different points of traffic to it, whether it's organic paid, et cetera. Um, and if I'm doing, um, let's say I'll do one small tweak to see if there's going to be more opt-ins, if there's going to be some sort of like difference in lead gen then I'm going to be looking at it every 72 hours. So it really depends on at what stage you're looking for optimization. Um, but the smaller the tweak that you're making, I think, the, the lesser of a time frame it could be. So like if, you're, um, if you tweaked a, a headline, for example, or like a title of a piece of content, then run it for 72 hours and then see the traffic difference, for example, or like your clicks or whatever the case may be. Um, but if you're just starting out, you just want to kind of create that habit. You just want to get it going. So in the YouTube uh, example, you just started your channel. You just started posting videos weekly or at the very least monthly to look back. And it doesn't have to be crazy, um, when you, especially when you're first starting out, uh, when you're looking at your stats, because I know like, you know, in the back end of YouTube, they give you a lot of analytics. Don't do a deep dive into the numbers just yet, um, especially if you're not running paid traffic. Uh, so just do a skim through, um, you know, see the comments, see the likes, see the dislikes, see the subscriber growth. Um, and then from there, and then also look back at your, uh, look back at your content, whether it's video, um, articles or anything like that. And then for the next time, just keep a mental note. It doesn't have to be crazy spreadsheets. I do the crazy spreadsheets because that's just me. And I feel like I won't remember because I feel like there's a lot going on all the time. But you don't have to go crazy with tracking at first. So you just keep a mental note of, um, let's say in your next YouTube video, you thought that uh, looking at the drop-off point, maybe the video was too long. So next time, do it a little shorter. It could just be really small tweaks like that. It doesn't have to be super crazy formal, but the idea is just to get into the habit of continuous improvement. So as long as you're just making the progress and you're looking back and doing a really quick review, it doesn't have to be extensive, then from there, that's how you could start optimizing. And then when you get into more things like, you know, the A-B split testing and all of that, that's when you can get a little bit more detailed. But when you're first starting out, um, it's really just doing more of like big picture overview and also seeing what works for you as well. Um, cause that's also something that, that can be optimized too, is if you don't like talking for, you know, 15 minutes long in a video, then next time to make it more enjoy enjoyable for yourself, do 10 minutes. So it could also be from that standpoint as well, because again, we're looking for how to create a system that's sustainable for you because more than likely content is not the only thing that you're going to be doing, especially if you're in physical products, you know, you're doing the R and D you're dealing with manufacturers, you're doing supply chain, you're doing log logistics. On top of that, you're doing the marketing, especially if you're by yourself, you're doing all of it. Um, so until you have a team, it's really just about where are you, where are the leverage points with your time that will make the most impact as well. Got it. Mm -hmm. So one thing that's very different about how you started, and I wonder if kind of, 
how you do that today. In you know, 2010, you said you started YouTube, became an influencer. Mm -hmm. You don't, if you go in 2019, you don't, hear, you don't hear many people starting that direction and going physical products. A lot of people starting with physical products and they're trying to leverage influencers, but not become one themselves. Is that something, would you, would you still go that route today? Or has that changed? Because, you know, obviously in the past nine years, just like the landscape of everything, YouTube, all, all these platforms have become more competitive, right? So is that something right. like you wouldn't go that direction today? Or does that still make sense? Oh, I would still totally go in the direction of blogger influencer. Um, and the reason is because, and also, I also feel like people moving forward are a little more accepting of, it kind of goes both ways. I've seen it where there's blogs that you don't know who the founders are. So if you're really camera shy, if you really just don't want your face everywhere, you could still create an audience without having your face plastered all over the internet. Um, unless you want to, then that's fine. Uh, but you can create a blog and an influencer brand or an experts brand without always plastering your face everywhere. So in the case of, let's say, um, like podcasting, for example, not every podcaster does the video side of it, right? So a lot of them, they'll just do voice. You might, you might only see that their one thumbnail picture as their photo and that's really it. Um, but they're not, you know, up on a video every single day, all of that. So, um, when we think about, is it relevant to become a blogger, become an influencer? You can, uh, and I really encourage people to do so because it also forces you to really deep dive into the industry that you're also looking to get into. Cause a lot of people also think that, oh, I'm going to create bird feeders as my physical product because I like doing it as a hobby, right? Whatever, you know, um, kind of, you know, random physical product that they want to create, but then try to become a blogger first because you're also going to see the market size, how much traffic you can run, uh, your competition, uh, not just competition from a physical product standpoint, but competition of attention too, because it's always about attention, right? So getting the attention onto your brand. So being a blogger, being an influencer, it's really just brand building. It's the same thing with physical product. Um, so that's why I would highly encourage people to look into blogging, being an influencer, doing that first or doing content creation first, seeing the kind of traffic that you can run, because if you can't run the traffic, no one's going to buy your offer. No one's going to buy your product in the first place. So I think that doing the content marketing, being a blogger, whether it's YouTube, podcasting, articles, micro influencers through Instagram, doing that first, looking at the landscape, and then from there, seeing if your handmade bird feeders are going to be able to sell because now you have the audience of 100,000 other bird feeder enthusiasts. <laughs> if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, if, if that's a thing. It probably is on YouTube right now. And it probably is. And it's probably super niche and not, I, don't, I have no idea, but it might not be highly competitive, but it might be running enough traffic so that you could actually monetize. But you won't really know um, until you get into, you know, the marketing and traffic side. But I think people get really excited about creating their physical products business, like creating that product, you know, creating that physical product that they've always wanted to do, but then they don't really think about how they're going to run enough traffic to create the leads 
to get the sale because the sale is the very last step. There's all these other steps before that to get people, you know, into your funnel and to get people into your sphere. Um, and that's why I feel like putting your feelers out there and seeing what's happening um, from like a blogger influencer standpoint could be a little easier than putting 50 grand, putting 25 grand into manufacturing your perfect product and then trying to get it out there, um, which you can obviously with, you know, the influencers and the pay traffic and all of that. Um, but doing it in the reverse, just to also kind of validate your niche, validate your brand and validate your messaging as well. So going the other direction and becoming an influencer and blogger first. Well, and it kind of goes to speaking towards the whole bootstrapping and kind of, if, if you want to, if you're running more cash constrained, right, then you're going for the long game. You're going to go do a slower burn. You're going to take your time, build up slowly. If you're able to, like you said, dump tens or hundreds of thousands of dollars into build the product, you know, run the ads, just do it that way. You can grow mm -hmm. faster. There is a, oh, yeah. a you know, the, the, if you have, if you have all that cash sitting in your checking account, like you can definitely scale much quicker, but not everyone has that. Right. So this is kind of something of saying like, it's okay. There's another way to do this. You know, you don't, you don't need to, you know, have this, you know, $10,000 a week or a month advertising budget to come out of the gate. If you build over time and you take your time building the audience, building the brand, then you're able to, then you have, it's, it's your laser and you can focus that wherever you want. And let's say you come up with, you know, your bird feeder site, you can try it. And if that doesn't work, fine, maybe you'll start manufacturing, you know, some bird food, try that. And it allows you to, you know, make some smaller shots and try them instead of just going all in on one and saying like, Hey, we manufacture this bird food. We have a, a container coming over, you know, it's, we're going to fill this warehouse. We're going to blow it on ads. We're going to be spending, you know, 10 grand a day. It, you know, that works. And if it works, it will light on fire and you'll be the, the bird food, bird food king queen. But if it doesn't right. work, then you just ran out of cash. You ran out of cash real quick. Real quick. Versus the yep. other way you, you can try, you can make an attempt. And if it doesn't work, just go slow. Try the next thing, try the next thing. And it will, and the only other cost there, it'll be time, right? So you're basically, it's a trade-off of cash versus time. And if you have tons of cash, little time, you can go faster. But if they have the other way around, little cash, there is a way to do that. And that's definitely just a good message to kind of tell folks that like, there's, you don't, you don't need to go and blow it out, you know, day one, you can come and just build it over time and build a sustainable mm -hmm. business that way. Yep. And another tip in terms of, um, you know, if the bird feeders don't work out and you're going to need to pivot into bird food, for example, it's the pivoting, right? So it's not putting all of your time or energy into one thing. A really great way to kind of get your feet wet and trying to figure out what your market really needs, as well as something that your brand can eventually sell in terms of physical product, is if you start a niche website, let's say you're a bird enthusiast website and you write articles about bird equipment. I don't even know what you call these things. Yep. Let's say you have a website about bird equipment. Um, and let's say for this website, it's a niche site, right? Very niche. Um, your face does not have to be all over it. You know, maybe one profile picture, but that's it. So we've got that part out of the way. You don't have to be this really big influencer with your face all over the internet. So let's say you have a niche bird food equipment site and, um, you really think that the bird feeder idea is going to blow up, 
but you don't necessarily want to put, you know, 10 grand, 20 grand, whatever the case may be into manufacturing off the bat. You could just to test it, um, become an affiliate for another bird feeder brand or become an Amazon associates affiliate. Um, they have bird feeders, you know, they sell bird feeders. You can get an affiliate link very easily and it's free. Um, you just have to have your blog domain and then you sign up with Amazon and then you use that affiliate link for whatever bird feeder that you personally like and that you personally use. It doesn't have to be your brand. It could be anybody else's brand that you like and that you could recommend. Um, use that, like do a review onto your blog of that bird feeder or you could do a roundup of the top five bird feeders on Amazon and something like that. And then you could from there track and see the people that are clicking and the people that are actually buying those bird feeders. Because if those, if the bird feeders that you're using the affiliate link for on your own site is actually selling, albeit with Amazon, their whole site is built to capture a sale very quickly, but we're going to forget about that part <laughs> that they're completely optimized for sales. But, um, if people are buying that bird feeder from the link that you did from your site, chances are they're going to buy the bir whatever bird feeder that you talk about. Amazon's bird feeder, your bird feeder, it doesn't matter. So that's a really good way to kind of, if, if you are pretty sure that your, the, your physical product idea is going to work for you, just find something that's as similar as possible, test it with an affiliate link, and then see how you could sell it. Because if you could sell affiliate products, you could sell your own products. Yeah, that's kind of, very good point. Um, that's uh, just how sales work, right? Like if you can sell one thing, you can usually sell another thing. It doesn't matter if it's your thing or not because it's all marketing and branding, right? It'll, and how you're it'll, positioning well, if it's, it. If it's your thing, it'll probably be easier. So if you could sell someone else's thing, it's probably easier to sell your own thing because then you know it, you've built it, you can talk about it, that sort of thing. So if you, yeah. if you can do that, then just go for it. Yes. So that's why the affiliate test is a really good way. And that's how I started. Um, I, like from all of the YouTube videos, I was doing affiliate links and then eventually other brands were paying me for like sponsorships. And I was like, okay, so I'm basically selling everybody else's products. And that's when you start thinking, you know, you're only getting an 8% affiliate commission, 10%, 15% in some cases, depending on your niche. Um, that's why I was like, I could, theoretically make a higher margin if I were to sell my own product, albeit it would be much more complicated of a process. But at the end of the day, you can build a, like, it's like building a whole other business and physical product. And that's really how it started uh, for us and for the beauty products business was because we just kept seeing all the sales coming in from the affiliate and the sponsorship side. And then thinking, oh, Maybe we could also do this ourselves since we're selling everybody else's products. So that's like just in terms of like a validation method, um, especially if you're, um, you might not necessarily be comfortable with jumping all in or um, putting a lot of cash down or even a lot of time, uh, just validating your idea in the first place. And then from there, you know, let's say after three to six months, if you're starting to see affiliate sales come in or whatever the case may be, then really start thinking, okay, if you want to go that next step of starting your own physical products brand or your own brand so that you could sell your own products and then make a higher margin off of that. Awesome. Yeah, I think that's a great message. If people, So super helpful. If people want to kind of find you, learn more about you, learn more about what you're doing, where can they do that? 
Oh, so you could find me almost all over the internet. <laughs> uh, YouTube, right? Yes, YouTube, uh, Terry Mihira, on Instagram, Terry Mihira. And we didn't talk too much about all of the little pieces of software that I use because I think that's another really important part about if you're by yourself, you leverage software. Leverage software if you can't outsource freelancers or independent contractors use software at your disposal, whether it's apps, whether you're on Shopify through the app store, whether it's other pieces of software that you could integrate into whatever site that you're running on WordPress or Squarespace or whatever the case may be. Um, so that's also just another tip for at the end of the day, leverage what you can with the budget that you have. A lot of times it's going to become tech and apps in the beginning because that's how it was for, um, for us as well. And I'll actually, I'll send you a list of just like the tech that we use, like the software and apps that we use, um, because I've tested so much throughout the years um, in order to bootstrap and to not have to hire like a team of people to create content or like a team of people to do the marketing. So um, I'll just send that over to you if you want to awesome. put it in the show notes yep, so that definitely. hopefully it'll be a shortcut for people too. Okay, and maybe maybe we'll do another episode of e-commerce automation because that's a uh, <laughs> that's a topic near yeah. and dear to my heart. So definitely yes. be good for that. All right, yeah, yeah I'll definitely it. I'll put all that in the show notes. So uh, yeah, it was great having you on. Thanks for chatting. Thanks so much.